Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 6th Greenlight Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Landon Kaler, and your normal co-host is Day Davis, but he's gone today. He's out with a little cold. <laughs> he's sick, so he can't talk on the internet when he's sick, apparently. But we have a packed slate for you today. Or should I say, I have a packed slate for you today. We got week four review, pretty crazy week four, and then we're just going to go into the AP Top 25. We might touch on that garbage coaches top 25 as well. And that'll be all today. It'll be a pretty short, pretty sweet pod. We got a lot of stuff going on. Okay, let's get right into week four. Actually, here. You know me and Dade. We predicted all 67 games last week. Here were were our final records. 67 games. I was 53-14. and 14. Dade just narrowly edged me out. He beat me. He went 55-12. and 12. Maybe I should be glad Dade's not on this podcast today because he would be talking so much crap. He beat me by two games. I had 55. He had 55. I had 53. But it's just, some, it's just how it goes, you know. We will keep making this every single week, and I'll definitely beat him next week because I'm never going to lose two weeks in a row. But let's get right into week four. Thursday night, we had a pretty solid game Thursday night. Georgia State at Coastal Carolina. I think Coastal Carolina was actually favored in this game. Grace McCall played well, but Coastal Carolina lost. They let up 30. Georgia State beat them 30-17. to 17. Georgia State's undefeated, and this could... Them or Fresno State, if either one of them wants to make a big push for the playoffs like 2017 UCF, I think Georgia State or Fresno State is our best bets. Friday, Friday was another great slate. And Friday next week has a great slate. We'll get into that later this week. But Wisconsin beat Purdue. Wisconsin looked like, by process of elimination, they look like they're the best team in the Big Ten West. Wisconsin beats Purdue 38-17. to Hudson Card threw two picks. Braylon Allen ran for 116 and two touchdowns. Wisconsin looks like they're going to run away with the West. Pretty, per usual, very weak West side of the Big Ten. Let's move to Saturday. Georgia, no problem with UAB. UAB, I think it was 7-7, second quarter. But Georgia pulls away. They win 49-21. Carson Beck throws for 338 yards and three touchdowns. Brock Bowers, this is kind of his first light-up game, you could say. He had nine catches for 121 yards and two touchdowns. Rutgers, they were winning 7-0 on Michigan, but that didn't last long. Rutgers loses 7-31. McCarthy looks a little bit better. Corum looks good. Michigan looks solid. Number three, Texas, they take care of business against a bad Baylor team. I don't know if this Baylor team is going to make a bowl game this year. They're not looking good. Texas beats them 38-6 to in Waco. That place was silent pretty much the whole entire game. Let's get into this game. We're going to talk about this game for a while. Florida State beats Clemson. Clemson's 2-2. Two and two. Florida State is now 4-0. Florida State wins 31-24 to in overtime. Jordan Travis throws for a little shy of 300 and two touchdowns. But this was, this was a crazy game. This is the first time FSU has beat Clemson since 2015. 
And I've heard lots of concerns. Even the people have been saying Florida uh, State should not have won this game. Florida State only had 22 rushing yards. Florida State was 4 for 13 on third down. That is dismal. That is not good. Florida State was outgained by almost 100 and by over 110 yards. They were outgained by over 110 yards, but they won. And their first lead came in the OT when they won the game. Their first lead, the whole entire game, came in overtime. So how did Florida State win this game? How could Clemson let this one slip away? And how could Florida State win this game? While being outmatched in almost every single statistical category that's measured. Points off turnovers. Points off turnovers and explosive plays was how Florida State won this game. You know, the scoop and score. I think Clemson's already let up almost 36 points off turnovers this year, which is like the same as their total last year, which is pretty crazy. And then also the big ball, the big shots from Jordan Travis, specifically Keon Coleman. He had the game-winning touchdown, but all game. I think they threw the ball over 20 yards at least at least 10 times, maybe 15 times the whole game. They were throwing that thing. The reason why they were 4 for 13 on third down was because when they scored, they barely had third downs because it was a two-play drive, three-play drive. They have to get down the field fast, two big explosive plays to explosive wide receivers. Keon Coleman, he went up and got that thing. He's, what, 6'3", 6'4", maybe 6'5", big wide receiver. And then Clemson, are they done? Are they done in the ACC? Is their reign over? Is it time for the new generation? Has the transfer portal killed Clemson? Well, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. Did the transfer Was the transfer portal the reason Clemson lost that game? No. But was the, the transfer portal was the reason Florida State won that game. The transfer portal is never the reason why it's a it's a it's a two way street, but Clemson looks at it like a one way street. Clemson, they didn't bring anybody in, so they had no chance to lose that game because of the transfer portal. But Florida State, if you take away Keon Coleman or a few other guys that got in the transfer portal, they don't win that game. So Clemson did not lose the game from the transfer portal, but Florida State won the game from the transfer portal. And that's the way it's going to be with Clemson. Since Dabo wants to make his homegrown talent, get guys out of recruiting, don't bring anybody in out of the portal. They can't lose games because of the transfer portals, but other teams are winning games from the transfer portal, if that makes sense. I'm just I'm just gonna leave it there for now. We gotta keep moving. Let's keep moving down this. USC takes care of a bad Arizona State team. Arizona State scored twenty eight. That's gotta be their season high. But they lose forty two to twenty eight. Caleb Williams throws for almost three hundred ninety three for three hundred and twenty two yards, three touchdowns. Pretty dominant. Ohio State, Notre Dame. We're gonna stop on this one for a while too. I don't really hear the chatter that I thought here about Ohio State after this game. Okay, 
let's let's bring it back a week. Let's think back a week in time. Ohio State was three and zero, but everybody, including myself, not as harsh, but also Day Davis did this a lot. He tanks Ohio State in his rankings. Ohio State doesn't look good. Their defense is iffy. Their offense looks not there a hundred percent of the time. They beat they only beat Indiana twenty eight to three. They killed Western Kentucky sixty three to ten. But their running game wasn't good in that game. You know all this knick knack stuff. Okay, before just imagine in week three, just imagine that Ohio State was the team that was tied with Wyoming going into the fourth quarter, ten and ten. 10 to 10. Imagine that Ohio State was the team that Boston College almost beat, but they only beat Boston College by two points. We never let them hear the end of it. We never let Ohio State hear the end of that. But Florida Florida State and Texas, I guess it's okay. I don't know. But then, now that Ohio State comes in and beats a top, five, not a top ten, possibly a top five team in the nation. It's like, okay. Okay. They got lucky. That's what I heard. They got lucky. Notre Dame only had ten men on the field the last two plays. So what? Ohio State is, okay, if the same Ohio State team that struggled with Indiana played, they lose. But teams evolve. Either for better or for worse, they evolve. And Ohio State is treading in the right direction right now. It's the same thing with Bama. Same thing with Bama and Ohio State. They're trending up. If that Bama team stayed the same as the same way they played against that USF team, South Florida, they might lose four or five games this year. But no, they're trending up. Teams evolve, for better or for worse. Teams don't stay the same. You're not going to have the same, it's not Madden. You're not having the same exact output every single game. People play better. People play worse. That's how football works. That's why we love the game. But Ohio State, they win 17-14 to at Notre Dame. Last second touchdown. Notre Dame only had 10 men on the field. Ohio State got up 10-0 in this game. And then Sam Hartman and Notre Dame came back and Notre Dame Held a 14 to 10 lead until the last second of the game. I know. I don't even think I know that if Ohio State let that game slip from them and they ended up losing that game, they've completely blew the lead and they didn't regain it. People would be calling for Ryan Day's head on a silver platter. People want to see him fired mid season after that game. The expectation was that they go in there and they win. This was a program-defining win for Ohio State. This could be a program-defining win. I know they're in, they've been competing in the playoff and the national championship the last few years, but Ryan Day, just he finally come, he got over the hump. I'm not going to say he got over the hump. I'm going to say he's very, very, very close to getting over the hump now. All that's left is Michigan. I think we got to move on. Oh, yeah, and Ryan Day also called out Lou Holtz. I think everybody heard about that. Ryan Day is beefing with, like, a 90-year-old man. Why do we even – why is Lou Holtz still relevant? I don't know. 
but you won the Heisman or something, or as a coach, or I don't even know. But of course, it, he was he went he went to Notre Dame. That's an important thing. Of course, if you ask him who's going to win the game, he's going to say Notre Dame's going to win. Let's be honest here. Why do we ask him for score prediction? We know what he's going to say. He was a Notre Dame alum. Come on. And apparently, I think Ryan Day. Um, he's kind of not going off on Lou Holtz. He's going off on everybody that's down at Ohio State. There's a lot of noise going around about Ohio State for the few, for the first three, four weeks. I think he just kind of put that all to bed. That's what I think happened. He just kind of retaliated against all of it, not specifically Lou Holtz. But let's keep going. We are we're getting behind track. Iowa. Oh my goodness, Penn State, Iowa. This was. I'm an Iowa fan. I. Whew, this was awful. This was terrible. Penn State beats Iowa, thirty-one to zero. Oh my goodness. But this game was awful. Penn State ran over 20 more plays than Iowa had total yards. No, I did. This is real. This is not a fake fact. And you, yes, you heard that right. They ran over 20 more plays than Iowa had total. Yards. That is insane. That is crazy. Kid McNamara only threw for 42 yards. Iowa only had 76 total yards. Let's just read Iowa's drive summaries. Like, the outcomes of their, their drives. Let's start. Punt. Fumble. Punt. Punt, 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 fumble, punt, fumble. Do I even need to say anything else? <laughs> How was Iowa ranked? I didn't rank them because I knew we weren't good, but I didn't think we were this bad. I didn't think we were that bad. And of course, Brian Fierens and Kirk Fierens, head coach and offensive coordinator, get interviewed after the game and they say, no, we're not going to change anything. How are you not going to change anything? This is despicable, diabolical. No other program are you getting away with having 76 offensive yards and saying you're not going to change anything? Oh my goodness. And they also came out today, I read an article. They said the offense is not the problem. How is the offense not the problem? How? How are you not going to change anything? There has to be, at least just try to throw some stuff and see if it sticks. Throw everything. Throw the kitchen sink at the wall and just see what sticks to maybe get you 100 offensive yards in a game. Your defense was on the field for 42 minutes, dying. And your offense goes out there and goes three and out every single time, barely even getting a third and short. This is awful. They are in the same spot as they were last year. They revamped their roster through the transfer portal, getting a new quarterback, new tight end, new wide receiver, 
but it's the same exact result as last year. I think they're 131st in offensive efficiency. That's the that's the third worst in all of FBS. I think like Sam Houston State and maybe I don't know Sam Houston State and somebody else are below us. So obviously, it's not a pro player problem because the roster is new. It's a coaching problem. That's my rant on Iowa for this week. But, oh, Penn State, Drew Aller was composed. They took what the defense gave them. They ran 90-something plays, and they just tore Iowa apart. In the wideout, Iowa could not – they couldn't keep the ball. Washington, Michael Penix have another phenomenal game. They beat Cal 59-32. to 32. Oregon. In Colorado, might have to take a stop at this game too. Colorado loses their first game in the Dion era. Cinderella story, I'm not going to say it's over, but they looked horrific. Colorado loses 6-42. to The only six was because they had Oregon let them in the end zone with like 30 seconds left in the game. Bo Nix, Bucky Irving, Troy Franklin all looked amazing. I think this shows there is still lines in this game. I talked about this earlier on a podcast that I think this is the most wide open a college football um, a college football season is has ever been in the last ten to maybe twenty years. There's not a line below it. The line that I talk about when I mention line, it's where I think a team can win a national championship. Like, usually that line is below maybe the number three team in the nation, the number four team in the nation, that only these teams can win the national championship. So, like, let's say Georgia's one, Alabama's two, Ohio State's three, the line's below them. Nobody else is really legit contenders. I think the line has been dropped from that three or four, maybe all the way down to the ten. I think this year is wide open. Anybody can win. Anybody can get in. And Oregon was above my line, and they kind of showed why they were above my line. But Colorado, they show that with this offensive line, they all have like what eight sacks, maybe even nine. They're gonna with that offensive line, they're gonna lose ten out of ten times, no matter how mu- how good everybody else plays with that offensive line. They're gonna lose ten out of ten games against ranked opponents. That is, I think it also shows that TC really wasn't that good. TCU, I think, had struggles with um, bad a bad Houston team last week, and they struggled with SMU this week. So I think you can TCU isn't legit. Obviously, TCU is not going to be good in the Big Twelve. They might. I mean, they'd probably go bowling six and six. But that Colorado win against TCU, TCU really wasn't that good in the first place. Nebraska, they had Jeff Sims playing against them. Nebraska wasn't good. Then obviously Colorado State. Their group of five team takes you to double overtime. That's also a very big problem. So, and then Dan Landing, we all saw his pregame speech seen around the world, probably not the world, country. They're fighting for clicks, but we're fighting for wins. I think that he's speaking his mind and what a lot of other coaches want to say as well. 
I don't think a lot of coaches are a fan of Dion and his persona and the way he goes about things and his characteristics. So I think that really got him going. And obviously they were up 35-0 at half, and they said they're not going to let up. They wanted to blow Colorado out, send a message. So obviously Colorado is I, – I don't think they're – they're not good enough to be a ranked team at all. That's just the way it is. Their defense is – and I, even though Travis Hunter was out, he's not changing the outcome of that game. He's not changing the outcome of that game at all. Xavier Weaver, I honestly think, is just as good of a wide receiver as Travis Hunter was. And then adding another corner into that game is not stopping the bleeding, no matter how good Travis Hunter is. He is not stopping Oregon winning that game by more than the spread. I'm just going to go off on this, too. Everybody was saying that 21-point spread was disrespectful. How can you call a spread disrespectful? If you think it's disrespectful, then bet it. Don't spreads are meant for Vegas to try to judge where a team is at, and you're calling them disrespectful. What? You know how dumb you sound. How uneducated you sound by saying a spread is disrespectful. Vegas makes spreads because they want you to bet on games, not to put disrespect on a team. If anything, they should have set the spread higher. If you think a spread is disrespectful, bet it. I, I could not stand that. Okay, let's move all. Let's move away from Dion and Oregon, UCLA, Utah. I thought this game was going to be a lot better to watch, but Utah wins fourteen to seven at home. Utah is four and zero. They've taken care of people. They don't look like they need Cam Rising necessarily. Their time of possession has also been very high. That's kind of been their persona. Very balanced offense, high time of possession, good defense, forced turnovers, win games. Not prettily, 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 is that a word? Didn't tell you. Arkansas, LSU, I know a lot of people that are saying Arkansas is going to keep this game close and they were getting flamed for it. But LSU, I think, here's what I think. LSU is not actually that good. I mean, are they a top 15 top fifteen team in the country? Yeah. But they're not a top 10 team. Let's not forget they got their defense got absolutely gouged by Florida State's offense. And they come out and they get to play Grambling State. And they, they kind of give us false hope with the Mississippi State game. But Mississippi State is 2-2. Two two. They're not good. They lost again this week. Mississippi State's really not good at all. So they kind of made LSU have false hope, false expectations. LSU's defense, their secondary is not good. LSU's secondary is not good. And Arkansas definitely exposed that, having lots of big chunk plays, chunky yardage plays. LSU still snuck it out, though, at home, winning 34-31. to Jaden Daniels is a bright spot in their offense, though. He's been balling out. Let's get into Old Miss, Alabama. Whew. Old Miss, Alabama. Old Miss had 10 points. I want to say that I saw somewhere today that that is the lowest amount of points Lane Kiffin has ever been held to 
in an SEC football game. I can in conference play as a head coach at Ole Miss. That's the lowest amount of points he's ever had. This might be one of the best defenses that Bama's had in the last ten years. Five to ten years. Obviously, it's being overshadowed by how mediocre their offense is looking. But their defense is legit. It's legit. Let's not forget that those Tua and Jalen Hurts teams, they had to be putting up almost 40, 50 points a game to win games, like in the playoffs. They don't have to do that this year. They can really lean on that defense. Ole Miss, they do not have a bad offense. They're not scrubs. Jackson Dart, I think they got Wade outside. They are good. They are very good. But they got held to 20. No, they got held to 10 points, 3 points the whole second half. The whole last three quarters, they are held to 3 points. In Bama, they get their field goal. They get another field goal. They get another field goal. They get a touchdown, and they beat you. That's all they have to do. That's all Jalen Milrow and Bama has to do. This year is just grind out these wins. Obviously, Jalen Milrow is their starting quarterback after the monstrosity that we saw from Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson last week. But I think Bama's still there. Bama is still there. They can lean on that defense. It's going to be interesting when they match up with, oh, who do they? I don't know who they have on their schedule left. But if they make the SEC championship game, it's definitely going to be interesting. It's going to be really really nice to see where Bama's at. Obviously, again, with that same thing I said about Ohio State, teams evolve. The same, Obviously, the same team that we saw playing USF last week, they might lose four or five games this year. But no, the team has got back together. Teams evolve. They don't stay at the same overall like they would in Madden. They're not a... Even though they were 70 overall last week, doesn't mean they're 70 overall this week. They get better. They evolve. They change game plans. They find offensive rhythm. They everything. The game that I was really surprised about. Let's keep moving. Oregon State loses at Washington State, 35-38. Cameron Ward. Oh my goodness, Cameron Ward. He is. It's insane what he's doing. Nobody's really paying attention to it. But Cameron Ward is a legit Heisman contender, ladies and gentlemen. He's he's definitely top 10 right now, possibly top 5. If I had to make a list, Cameron Ward might sneak in at 5. He threw for another 404 yards, 4 touchdowns, no turnovers. Holy cow. He is good. He is very good in Washington State, who I thought I thought Oregon State was at 2.5 point spread. I thought Oregon State was going to cover that. But, yeah. This is really nice what we're seeing from Washington State. Turn on Washington State games, people. It's going to be really fun to watch them work the rest of the year. They have one of the most explosive offenses in the country. That's weird to say. But Washington State is legit. Watch Washington State this year. Oklahoma, they take down Cincinnati. That's Cincinnati's first ever Big 12 game. Oklahoma beats them 20-6. to Wasn't really pretty. Nothing really needs to be said about that. North Carolina, they take down Pittsburgh 41-24. to uh, I think Pittsburgh had it. It was close um, after the first quarter. I think going into halftime, it was also pretty close. I was looking at this, checking scores. But North Carolina really pulled away, I think, third quarter-ish. 
and they take down Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's not good this year. Um, yeah, Pittsburgh's just not great. Their quarterback, Jervicek, Jerkovic, 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 that's what it is, Jerkovic. He is awful. <laughs> no disrespect, but he is horrific. What was he, Notre Dame transfer? This might be his third school, actually. Pittsburgh, I don't know who your backup quarterback is, but he needs to be benched. Duke, they run one of the worst teams in FBS out of their stadium. Duke beats UConn 41 to 7. It was at UConn, too, I think. Just a beatdown. Riley Leonard played well. He always oh, Mr. Consistent. That's what they're going to need going into ACC play. Miami, they blow out Temple 41-7. to UTSA loses at Tennessee. Tennessee beats them 45-14. Milton played a lot better. He had a pretty sick like 80-yard touchdown run. Saw that. That was pretty nice. Florida, they didn't even cover the spread, but they took care of Charlotte winning 22-7. to Florida, I mean, nobody was really watching that game, but Purcell's catch, you see that one-handed catch? That had to be the play of the day. That was sick. It was like a maybe 15, 20-yard pass. Goes up one-handed, gets like drilled by three Charlotte defenders, but comes down with it. It was sick. Look that thing up on YouTube. That's the done with the top 25. Let's just get into the other good games. Syracuse is 4-0. and Holy, they play Clemson next week. That could be a good game. Syracuse is 4-0. and They're not a basketball school. They're a football school. Texas A&M, they beat Auburn. Auburn's offense just looks lost. Payne Thorne is not the guy. He's not the guy. Texas A&M, those who didn't watch the game and just saw the score, those who just watched the game and did not see the score, probably did not notice that Texas A&M's starting quarterback did not play the majority of the game. Wigman, Connor Wigman went out with an injury, I think, really early in the game. Was it? Uh, I think it was legs or a leg injury or something. But who? Johnson? Was that the guy's backup quarterback's name? He came in, he, he performed. This is why you need depth. Because I know if Texas A&M lost the game, people would still be flaming them even if they had their backup quarterback in. They'd be calling for Jimbo Fisher's head. They'd be wanting him to be gone, even though they're um, one of the best quarterbacks in all of college football. Got hurt, Connor Wigman. But the depth is key. Depth is key. This shows that depth is key. And going in the portal and recruiting depth is very key. And obviously, we saw that with Colorado. They have no depth. They only have good skill positions, no depth whatsoever, and that's what killed them. Ooh, we are stretching this thing out so we're going to kind of skim through Virginia Tech loses to Marshall Marshall is 3 and 0 Virginia Tech loses 17 to 24 um let's keep scanning here Maryland kills Michigan State Michigan State's awful Nebraska they're 500 oh, let's talk about Louisville Louisville's 4 and 0 now and Jake Plummer did anybody else see what Jake Plummer did this Saturday against Boston College it, this could be considered a war crime. Jake Plummer 
threw for 388 yards and accounted for seven total touchdowns. Seven total touchdowns. Louisville had 42 points at half. They had 42 points at half. Boston College, they lose 28-56, to 56, and Louisville escapes. Let's. I need to talk about this again now that Louisville looks good. Louisville's undefeated, and they the rest of their conference schedule, they get to escape. They do not have to play Clemson or FSU. They get to escape those two giants, but obviously ACC is looking a lot better now with Duke and Miami. I think they have to play both of them, but they don't have to play the big boys. Louisville, I feel like they, they're definitely a sleeper team. Some people at the end of the year would be like, how did they get here? How did they get in the ACC championship game? How are they... How are they 9-3? and three? Louisville's here, and they're here to play, and they're going to sneak up on some people. Texas Tech goes down with their backup quarterback to West Virginia. West Virginia gets a big win. Two backup quarterbacks, I think, are playing in this game. But West Virginia wins 20-13. to 13. Let's keep skimming here. Iowa State. Whew, how about their offense coming to life? They put 34 on Oklahoma State. Becked. Rico Becked. Iowa State quarterback, he kind of balled out. He's been looking really meh this season, but he threw for almost 350 and three touchdowns. And Iowa State gets a big Big 12 win. I mean, it was against Oklahoma State. They're probably the two worst Big 12 teams, but whatever. Georgia Tech throws an upset on Wake Forest. Haynes King, I've been kind of mentioning him a lot. I really like Haynes King. He's been balling out. Arizona beats a bad Stanford team. Not much needs to be said there. Let's keep looking. Akron takes Indiana to four overtimes. Oof. That was not good. That was not a fun game to watch. Missouri is 4-0. and They take down undefeated Memphis. Once undefeated Memphis. Missouri wins 34-27. to Missouri's good. They could throw some upsets in the SEC. Usually they are very irrelevant in the SEC. But this year, they are looking good. They're looking scary, and they could beat some very good teams. If you do not, if Missouri's not on your radar, your radar is broken. I think I said that last week. But your radar is broken if Missouri's not on your radar. Northwestern gets their first Big Ten win over Minnesota. Two bad teams. Bryant actually played well, though. It's kind of surprising. He's been bad. South Carolina beats Mississippi State. Mississippi State is 2-2, two 0-2 and two, and two in the SEC. South Carolina puts 37 on them. See, this is what I'm talking about with the LSU thing. LSU, what, put 41 on Mississippi State last week? South Carolina only put four less points up than they did. They only put four less points up. Mississippi State is not good. Will Rogers does not look great. He looked bad last week. He looked average. I think he threw for a lot of yards this week, but he also, I think he's a little turnover prone. And South Carolina, we know South Carolina's defense is not great. So that's why this game was at least somewhat close, but I don't, Mississippi State's not good this year. This is, this is like the one year their defense is not good. Usually they have a very solid defensive line in secondary, but not this year. I don't even know if they'll make a bowl game with their schedule. UCF takes their first loss to Kansas State. Kansas State gets themselves back on track. Will Howard had himself a game. Kansas State win 44-31 to at home. 
I think that's all we really need to touch on for uh, as of a week for review. Let's go look at the AP Top 25, and then I'll let you go. Since I'm kind of dragging this out pretty stretching it out. Okay, AP Top 25, Georgia stays at 1, Michigan stays at 2, Texas stays at 3, Ohio State jumps 2 spots to 4, Florida State drops a spot to 5, Penn State goes up to 6, Washington goes up to 7, USC drops 3 spots to 8. What? How are they? Well, Oregon is at 9, Utah's at 10. Okay, that's our top 10. Let's just let's just talk about this for a second. How can USC win but drop three spots? They win, but they drop three spots. Hmm. And how is Washington only at seven? Washington does have a first place vote for the first time in like forever. But what? You're dropping three spots for winning? Hmm. It's suspect. Let's keep moving, though. Notre Dame, they dropped two spots, but they lost. They, drew, they move less than USC, but USC won. Notre Dame loses to Ohio State, but only drops two spots. USC loses. No, they win. USC wins handily to Arizona State, but they drop three. How... Mm, how how can these people be voting? How does this work? This just it enrages me. <laughs> Alabama moves up back us up a spot to twelve. LSU drops a spot to thirteen. Oklahoma fourteen. North Carolina fifteen. Washington State moves up five spots after beating Oregon State at home to sixteen. Notre Dame's at seventeen. Miami's at eighteen. Oregon State and Old Miss are at 19 and 20. Both of them dropped five spots after losing. Hmm. How is USC dropping three spots for winning a football game? They won, and they're dropping almost as much as Oregon State and Old Miss. And then you have Tennessee, who moved up two spots to 21. And Florida, who moved up three spots. Florida moves up three spots. They don't even cover the spread against Charlotte. They don't cover the spread against Charlotte, but they move up three spots, and USC drops three spots. Let that soak in a little bit. Missouri is at 23, Kansas at 24, Fresno State at 25. All of those guys were not ranked last week. I really like. I really do like Fresno State. They're definitely the best group of five team, and they're finally getting some respect in polls. Kansas, I don't really like Kansas. They really got had a scare against Nevada. But they beat a good BYU team. I think they played, they beat a good BYU team this week. Missouri, they should have been ranked last week. but And then obviously dropping from the rankings, Colorado, UCLA, and Iowa. Let's go look at some receiving votes, shall we? Clemson and A&M are both receiving five votes still. How are people voting for A&M and Clemson? <laughs> Give me Air Force over both of them. Maryland's receiving votes. Can't complain. Kentucky, Louisville, Colorado. 
Yeah, it's ugly down here. I'm not going to go over the coach's poll. You can just go look it up and critique it yourself because the coach's poll, as usual, is an abomination. It's an abomination. It's awful. This is a piece of garbage. It's a piece of garbage. Just looking at it right now, I'm just going to point a few things out. Washington at 8. What? How is Washington at 8? Yeah, let me say give USC a little bit more respect. Still dropped them a spot though. Ohio State they have all of them all the way up at three. I'm I could get on board with it, but I think it's a little high. Uh, let's go look at some receiving votes. Oh, what? What? Hi- Iowa is still receiving sixteen votes. Tulane is receiving eleven votes. What? What is going on? Clemson is receiving more votes than Syracuse, Colorado, Air Force, Iowa, Tulane, Wyoming. That is awful. That is, oh my goodness, that's awful. Texas A&M is receiving more votes than Louisville, UCLA, Clemson, and Syracuse. How, what? What? I understand that they beat a really bad Auburn team. No way are they receiving, should they be receiving more votes than, votes than Louisville or UCLA. That's crazy. That's just crazy. Okay, I said I wasn't going to talk about the coaches poll, but I did. But this is going to be the end of the first podcast of the week. We all, we're all going to be dropping another one. Should be Thursday. Thursday, sometime during Thursday. That's going to be our week five preview, our week five picks. We might throw out some Heisman rankings. Maybe who I think we're also going to do a segment called uh, Pick to Click. That's going to be who we think is going to go off this week. But we're going to get into that later. This is your week four review, new AP Top 25 polls, coaches polls, all the new stuff that kind of happened this weekend. I'll let you go. We'll see you guys later. Hopefully Dave is back with us um, next pod. But see you guys. Peace.